Hi, everybody. This is Tony Khan, the producer and director of Morning Stories from WGBH in Boston. Today's Morning Storyteller may be familiar to some of you. Over the years, he's been writing about people who suffer with afflictions of the brain and the mind. His name is Oliver Sacks, and he was here in Boston on a book tour for his latest collection of essays called Musicophilia. I asked him what it was that has drawn him to the kinds of human conditions that, frankly, most of us would run away from. Here's a bit of what he said in today's morning story. Ah, my brother. Back in the 1960s, a chronic disease hospital in the Bronx some 70 or 80 people who had been unimaginably ill and often abandoned by their families for decades, sometimes 40 years, 45 years even, many of them motionless and frozen in strange postures, all of whom had had the encephalitis lethargica years before, a worldwide epidemic at the time. No medicine was of any use to them. I lived almost next door to the hospital. I was in at all hours. And um, in the summer, amazing things seemed to be happening. They did respond to L-Dopa, and there was a jubilant, joyous atmosphere in the ward. Proposals of marriage, and people were just lyrical with delight at, at being able to move and talk and think again. But then, later that year, all sorts of dark clouds gathered and complications of every sort. What had I done? I had um, taken them out of a, maybe a sort of passionless but tranquil non-being and thrown them into torment and turmoil. They'd lost so many years of their life and one of the patients said to me, that stuff should be given its proper name, Heldopa. I wanted to write about them, and in great detail, but I didn't know whether this would be proper or not. It was the patients themselves who said, tell our story, or it'll never be known. Give us a place, as it were, in the history of the world. I chronicle. I chronicle other people's lives. I want to tell the story of people who might seem alien and unfamiliar and impossible to feel for. I visited a Mennonite village in northern Canada, where a fifth of the people have Tourette's syndrome. I went with a friend who himself has Tourette's and had much experience of being stigmatized and marginalized. When we got there, he was on his best behavior, and at one point he sort of suddenly made a loud noise, ah! and people jumped as you jumped just now. But then they smiled, and many of them barked back. And then he realized that he, he was at home. He was with his brothers and sisters in, in, with Tourette's. This was all accepted uh, tolerantly, generously, and with humor. I'm rather shy in many ways. Uh, it's... Um, 
It's a sort of malady. I was 10 years old. There were times when I could hardly function, and I think I became very frightened. My brother was moving into a, a magical world. He started talking to himself. He, uh, he felt that uh, people were reading his mind and listening to him. He, uh, there were strange signs and portents um, of, of, of every sort. I know that sometimes when I talked with him, if I spoke to him about early years under, this, this, under these miles of schizophrenia, he was there. But he suffered terribly sometimes with, with terror from what De Quincey called the pressure on the heart of the incommunicable. I don't know whether you've heard of Gael. It's a village in Belgium which since the 13th century has housed and been a home to deeply disturbed people. Mad people came from all over Europe to be cured. They weren't cured, but the townspeople took them in. And for more than 700 years, these uh, selfless, generous, intensely human families in Chayol have been taking in deeply schizophrenic people to live a life of relationship and work, of love and work, unimaginable elsewhere. I would like to see more places like Chayol. There's an old Jewish prayer in which you praise God for the diversity of creation. And exactly that was the feeling in um, Chayol. That the person, the person is always there. I was deeply moved. Ah, my brother, my brother. What he went through. Such a chaotic, capricious world. But the heart, the person, is always there. That was Oliver Sacks with today's morning story. Ah, my brother. And I'm here in the studio with Gary Mott. Uh, we all need a, a hail, a place that, where people are, are going to accept us for, for who we are. We don't have the, the village, or at least where I live, we don't have the village. Hardly have neighbors. Just the other day, I was doing a search on Google for morning stories, yeah. what I get are a whole bunch of articles from a Tampa newspaper that has <laughs> that has a column called Morning Stories. <laughs> there you they're, go. They're all about things that are going horribly wrong in Tampa. There was one, actually, that mentioned the show. It was a woman in uh, Colorado, Boulder, Colorado, who had just gotten into uh, using her iPod and had come across our show, and uh, she recommended Morning Stories as the podcast of the week to the people who read her blog. So... I just couldn't resist calling her up and saying hi and find out a little bit more about 
who she was. I really enjoy programs like yours where, you know, it's just sharing regular people's stories. My daughters gave me an iPod last Christmas, and I really thought this was ridiculous. Well, (laughs) Mm. I am totally hooked. You were my podcast of the week last week. Susan, tell me a little bit about this walking group of yours. I've only been living here in Boulder for 12 years. Mm-hmm. Came here knowing no one, and it well, really unfortunately or fortunately started with my getting breast cancer about a year and a half after I moved here. All of my friends on the East Coast had the mentality of, oh my God, you have to move back here. Mm-hmm. Where are you? You mm-hmm. know, out in the middle of nowhere. And my daughter discovered this fundraiser, this Avon Breast Cancer Walk, and challenged me to do that. That's how ultimately I got in touch with this group of women. And I decided to start blogging, just kind of summarizing the things we were talking about, Mm -hmm. the things that interested me in particular. Mm -hmm. It's gotten much larger, and my subscriber list is growing. (laughs) You are a connector, I get the feeling, someone who enjoys putting people who have something in common together. I do, absolutely. Just like my wife. She connected me, in fact, with myself, which was quite an accomplishment. We just celebrated our 25th anniversary yesterday. Congratulations. Thank you. I've been married for 38 years. Tell me what I need to know to make it to 38. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, a lot of patience. A lot of patience. You learn so much by shutting up, don't you? (laughs) (laughs) The other thing that I have used my blog for is creating a a labyrinth here in Boulder. The labyrinth was something that I also was introduced to during my treatment with breast cancer. When you walk a labyrinth path, it's a healing tool. I just got hooked. It was just, it really spoke to me. So I started a campaign, you know, with the Parks and Rec Department of the city of Boulder and took eight years, but um, we, just this past June, finished construction on this beautiful labyrinth that's maybe 45 to 50 feet in diameter. You follow the path, one foot in front of the other, and it leads you to the center. Unlike a maze, you don't have to think about it or figure it out. It's, It's not a puzzle. And it is a metaphor for our lives. You worked 10 years to get this to be part of the eight? About eight years. Eight years. A labyrinth like journey. Uh huh. (laughs) So what did you learn, and what were you able to teach along this path? Patience. (laughs) (laughs) Persistence. Um, I just had this very clear vision that this was going to happen. I didn't know if it would happen in my lifetime. It's by a creek, and was this going to interfere with the wetlands and the floodplain? And we, in fact, had to get permits. We also went through many changes of personnel. We felt like we killed off people. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But then, ultimately, there was one person at the Parks and Rec Department that just became as committed as we were to getting this through, and that was a turning point. He was familiar with labyrinths and had walked labyrinths, so he knew what we were talking about. You never know. That's right. You really never know who's going to be around the next curve in the labyrinth or who's going to, you know, have, you know some gem for you to grab onto. Well, you were just around the corner in my labyrinth today. So (laughs) I just want to tell you what a pleasure it was to speak with you, Susan. Thank you. I've enjoyed it so much. Okay, one last question for you, Susan. How's your health? Are you okay? Oh, I'm fine. Good. I'm just fine. I'm 10 years out. Wow. Well, congratulations. 10 years almost to the day. No kidding. Of my diagnosis. Congratulations. Take care. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.
Here's somebody who, whose illness actually kind of led her uh, into a much closer connection with the people in her community, you know, so go mm -hmm. figure. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> We'd rather not find out about mentions on your blog via Google. We want to find out directly from you. It's, so. it's true, folks. Uh, you hear us. We really want to hear you. This is a straight, sincere request for you to get in touch with us. Morning stories at WGBH.org and go to our website. In fact, we do have a video of Oliver Sacks' story, which you might want to check out as well. And you also want to check out our Flickr page. We've made several additions to that in recent weeks. And we'll be back with another morning story soon. Take care.